Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. I've taken over. I'm not really. I'm just the man. I'm going to do. I'm taking Craig's job this week. Well, I'm taking Craig's job on Manic Mixtape where I go, hey, you're watching. You're listening to Manic Mixtape. You're watching or listening. Uh, I don't know where you are. Wherever you are, you're doing that thing with Manic Mixtape. Uh, hopefully you're sleeping with us, uh, working out with us, shopping with us, whatever you're doing. Make it good for both and all three of us or all four of us or all five of us. However many there are. I've said too much. I just wanted to take it over. <laughs> I'm the other guy, Dan Colajico, and now I throw it over to the boss, Foxy Foxy. Welcome to Manic Mixtape. Thank you. Welcome to everybody. Yes. Uh, tonight, so we are going to give a musication, a musical education, if you will. A musication. A musication of artists bands individuals in bands in the music industry that shouldn't be known more about not necessarily that they don't get the proper credit they deserve some of which do but just little tidbits here and there of some people you know maybe some people you don't that deserve a little bit more recognition within the field of music for more than just what they are known for did i sum that up right yes you did. i'm on board i got right, it cool. very cool now this is actually spawned off of something that wow did you hear the jersey come out in that i, I was gonna this yeah, this this spawned off of something that dan and i were talking about offline yeah no, this this uh this spawned off of something that Deanna and I were discussing um a few weeks ago on Nerd Herders, which is also something you guys should be checking out for all of your pop culture information. Um, just prior to going live, um, my husband and I were watching random music videos on YouTube, and System of a Down came on, particularly Toxicity, which is from their sophomore album, Toxicity, and. While listening to the song, since I know it very well, I found myself drumming along to it as opposed to singing along to it. Because to me, the drum line in that is sheer perfection and holds the song together. Usually it's a guitar riff or a bass lick that people find themselves like, you know, air guitaring to or, you know, hitting their fingers along the steering wheel to. But that song is all drums. And what we had said to Dan, which is true, is that the drummer, whose name I said I was going to forget, and I did. Um, John Dolbyan. Thank Joel you. Mayan? Joel Mayan? I don't know. Yeah. Dolbyan. He does not get any, any recognition or credit to that band. Everybody always talks about Surge, the lead singer, because, well, at the time System of a Down came out, his voice was very different. The way he sang his lyrics um, in such rapid succession was very different. And then the lead guitarist started getting some more play and recognition. But to be honest with you, it was more so because his look was very different, which is something I'm going to talk about again later. Whereas... He's a great guitarist, but the drums is where it's at with that damn band. And I don't think anyone's ever verbally said it aloud because it's always about surging guitarists, surging guitarists. And 
this is where this episode comes from. Yeah, I, I you mentioned toxic, toxicity, mm-hmm. and I'm immediately thinking of the um, the bar of drum right from the verse to the chorus, um, which is mind numbingly not mind numbingly neurotic. And I mean that in the nicest way possible because it's a fucking great fill. Just right before you go into the fast part, into the, you know, it's a great, it's a name I heard of, but, it, you know, I don't listen to a lot of System of the Now. I, you know, I know the perennial and the hits and stuff, but we will be after because this list. Yep. Um but yeah, it's a name I, I heard a lot. I have a all most of mine are drummers or percussion based, so it's a good place to start off. But yeah, every song I hear, that song is very um that song, that band is very percussion driven. Yes. Where it's kind of written around the bass and the drums. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know another little band that does that a lot. Um where not built around it, but that's what kind of she's got COVID. Um, that's what kind of sorry. What you can't hear or see is her <laughs> coughing and laughing. I was waiting for the first time she did it to say it. Uh, it's not funny because my mom has COVID and she sounds like shit. <laughs> but it's kind of modeled around it and drives the song because that part will drive right into the chorus and the part that everybody sings out loud. Which is hard to sing out loud. It's hard to sing Surge out loud. So, and I also want to preface this is, is we're not taking anything away from Surge, but we're also spotlighting um, mm-hmm. other members of the band. And uh, John is definitely one that, that the band doesn't sound the same without him. I agree. Period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a drummer that I just found out about this past week, actually. And I wish Matt was in the room to hear me put him over. Uh, Blake Richardson of Between the Buried and Me. Hmm. Just discovered that. Man. I don't know what I thought Between the Buried and Me was. Hmm. In my head, I'm thinking metal, hardcore, metal, metalcore. Yeah, with, with a name like that, you think metalcore, emo-ish, or yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, it's not, it's, 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 metal, it's prog metal. And it's fucking fantastic. And uh, I was, he had, he was over last week and, and uh, he was, cause I, I'm going to bring up the other drummer in a second. Well, there's a couple more, but I'm going to bring up this other guy in a second. Um, and we were comparing, you know, different drum beats and he, and he played the song for me. And I was like, I don't even know what's happening here. It just looks like he's barely trying. And it's, it's like complex without it's complex, but it fits right. There's people that listen to like Rush or Genesis or other bands like they're like, there's too much going on. I'm like, no, it's perfect. It's it fits right aligned with what the music's doing. It's like 80s metal. It sounds like in the uh, between the buried to me sounds like metal King Crimson metal. Yes. A little bit of Genesis. It's crazy. Like where the drums and the keyboards are playing together. And I'm like, I don't know what I thought this was, but this is amazing. So he's playing different time signatures on top of another time signature, which is what Prague's all about. So the man's doing four and he's doing eight or he's doing 13s or like <laughs> six and sevens on top of that bar. And I dare you to tabulate that if you're not a drummer. Uh, it's stuff like that. Um, 
there's another guy, some unknown guy, some unknown fella that I, I do want to get this out of the way because if not, we'll talk about it for another hour. I will. Uh, and uh, that's one Phil Collins. Now, you were aware of Phil Collins, but you've become more aware now that we've doing the show together. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it dark here, too. So we're both matching. Uh, no, that's terrible. That is terrible. Yeah, sorry. That was... You hit this, though. I... No. <laughs> I, um... You know, there's a certain generation that only know him for singing. Mm-hmm. And I know it's going to sound silly to some people that I bring this up, but he was a drummer first. He was a drummer first. And I feel that as the years go by, a lot of people don't know enough about the drumming part. Mm-hmm. That dude was one of the is one of the best drummers that ever came down the pipe. Period. The stu- there's Genesis before he joined. There's drumming before and drumming after Phil. <laughs> there is a step off point, uh, especially in the early '80s when that Gated Reverb came out. That song, that sound you hear on In the Air Tonight. That sound you hear on all those songs in the '80s, where people, everybody was like, "I want to I want to sound like that. I need it to sound like that right now." And the man, because like it always gets brought up where he gets compared to other prog rock drummers, and and it's like it's not about how fast you play; it's what you play. And that dude is one of the best. And there's one more I'm going to bring up before I kick it back to you. Because then I want to expand on this later. And unknown bands that don't get credit. Because I got three more. Johnny Batos Hernandez from Oingo Oingo. It occurred to me the other day listening to the remasters. They, so they actually, it's not true... They're not real remasters. They're kind of when CDs first came out, it was a cleaned up version of the tapes, right? Because you didn't, it was a master of what already existed. Unfortunately, all the original master tapes of Oingo Boingo were lost in that big universal studio fire. So the, all the original masters are gone. So you're never going to get it sound better than this, but there's a company that's been running. And I think it's like one dude, who will, I'm serious, I think it's one guy, maybe two or three, that help him with the packaging and the putting all the stuff together, that has gotten licensing from big bands the last 20, 30 years and has gone in and cleaned up the masters significantly and released them, the Rebellions remasters. And the middle four album, not the middle four, the first four uh, Boingo albums just got done. And so I was going back and listening to the first four and I'm like, man, Johnny does not get talked about enough because people here, first of all, people who are going to go and you see here two things. What the fuck is Oingo Boingo? And the second thing is, oh, 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 well, there's three. Oh, weird science. I know that one. Or, oh, the guy from Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> there's three things. What you don't hear about is the drummer because they get blown off as like this ska new wave mid 80s punk band mm-hmm. but the, 
uh, one of the things that drove me to that band, I, I brought up the story last time, how I was like, wait, that song's on Ghostbusters too. Oh my God, I know the blah, 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 blah. Was how that album starts, which is just heavy percussion. And immediately drew me towards that. So I, I guess part of the story that, uh, and Foxy's going to take it back over in a second, uh, is like, it's it's a little bit like that. So, uh, so I'm telling... Look beyond the names and the genres, you know, because inside of In Between the Buried Bee is a is an amazing orchestral percussion. Inside of Genesis is amazing percussion and cute. There's another guy. I'll bring him up in a different part of it. So I spread okay. it out a little bit. Uh, inside Oingo Boingo, outside of the, you know, you're thinking Ska New Ape is an amazing percussionist that never gets talked about. And he absolutely should. I even tweeted, it was his birthday last week. I even tagged them in it. The remaining members are still in a band together without Elfman. And I said, I just want to take this opportunity to say happy birthday to Johnny Vatos Hernandez and highly underrated drummer that never gets the uh, attention that he deserves. And if you can check out their music, it's all over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but guys like that, I got a couple more, but I want to spread it out. So please pull the show back. All right. Well, I mean, I definitely agree. And I've, I've, I've fallen into that whole, you know, you, you read a band's name and you're like, oh, they must do this thing. Yeah. Like I, I very often have judged books by covers when it comes to that. And I mean, lately on my weekend, nightly, like rabbit hole Spotify stuff that I do, like I'm very wrong when it comes to these things. Unfortunately. Yes, yes. I'm glad that I'm wrong. I'm very glad that I'm wrong because I've discovered a lot of shit lately. Oh, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't want to say this guy's underrated because he was very appropriately rated at one point, but I, I have to mention this because this falls into aesthetics later on. Where, um, if you talk to anybody within like the, I guess you want to say 2004. 2005 emo boom same people around the 99 2000 new metal boom when it comes to bassists because i have two um well two i'm going to talk about and two for the aesthetics everyone in those two separate years will talk about how pete wentz is a great bassist from fall up boy and then another person other people will talk about how great west borland was from limp biscuits borland's great but west, what uh, go ahead I have a butt though. Mm-hmm. It's purely show. I know Pete Wentz with Fall Out Boy as he goes crazy on stage. I know Wes Vorland from Limp Bizkit as wow, he wears really funky contacts and stands out among the rest. I don't know them for their bass lines at all. Oh, yeah. Okay. And we want to talk great bassists. One that, again, one used to get the appropriate credit, which I'm going to further explain, and another that really never did. But the one that got the appropriate credit, and I still feel needs to be one of those greats, is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. God, yes. Flea is an amazing, amazing bassist. He makes the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. Absolutely makes the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And again, just as just sorely as a bassist, even this was even before he would just run around with just a sock on his groin. Well, I have a before funny story all that. about that when you're done, by yeah, the way. But even well before that, it was about his 
bassist skills, you know? And this is why I said what I said about West Borland and Pete Wentz, because when it comes to Fall Out Boy and or Limp Bizkit, I don't think bass. I don't hear bass. There's nothing memorable about their songs that makes me go, that bass line is great. You hear the cover of Higher Ground from Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you hear Flea's bass line just lick right in the front. You're like, oh, yes. You hear the song Give It Away, and you hear the bass line. His bass line is the base, the basis of every song. Yes. I, he, I When you mention Flea, I hear Soul to Squeeze. Ah, see? Right? Mm-hmm. That's bass. That's ba- yes. It's bass. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, the one thing that a lot of people do not give him credit for is for being a lyricist. Yes. Mm, which will fall into, which falls into something else as far as the band goes. To show how influential Flea was with the band and how really it's not Anthony Kiedis and the other former guitarist that they had had that ended up coming back is when in the 90s they released One Hot Minute which is the only album they did with guitarist Dave Navarro from Jane's Addiction. And that album took a whole different style. That's one of my favorite albums to date from them. Each song was different with Dave Navarro's influence. Each song also had its bass heavy songs like Aeroplane, but track five, I believe, is a song called P, P-E-A. All it is, is Flea playing the bass and Flea singing. And it he's not the best singer, but no. lyrically, lyrically, it's simplistic, but so good. And he, again, for a time, he got the appropriate credit he deserves until it was all about the aesthetics now. Because now it seems like Flea is just a blip in the radar. And... Red Hot Chili Peppers is back to doing whatever they were doing, which is, I guess you could call more like skater California type rock, which is absolutely fine. Yeah. But it's their thing. (laughs) It is their thing. But in doing that, it's like a little less bass intensive to keep the hook. And that's the part that has me disappointed. I was always uh, partial to I'm a pacifist so I can fuck your shit up. Right. Right. Flea is also a hell of an actor. <laughs> my favorite thing Flea ever did. It's not my, really, this is sarcasm. My favorite thing ever did. But uh, my friend across the street used to have the black box that would steal all the pay-per-views. Okay. Uh, I didn't have it. It was my friend across the street. Me too. Don't admit, don't admit that. We, we, I don't have names or, or checks. I don't know them anymore. It wasn't we, in my name. Uh, it's fine. So, um, so, uh, I saw them last week. Uh, so um, uh, last month, I'm sorry. I don't know who they are anymore. Totally, totally still close. But uh, so Woodstock 99's happening, and I go over there. I'm also the only person ever walked, knocked on their door. Everybody else just walked in. And I always brought it up with our friends. And I'm like, why don't you knock? Like, whoa, whoa, I'm welcome. Really. But what if they're humping one time? You walk in on that. Knock on the door. So I Fair always point. knock and I'm just so it wasn't about me being polite. Also, although I was taught to knock on a fucking door when you go over anybody's house, 
even though they still tell me you don't have to knock. I'm like, I'm knocking when I come over. But knock on the door. Hello, how you doing? Hey, can you put on Woodstock? I just want to see. I don't want to watch it live. I just want to see. The moment she turns on Woodstock 99, base, uh, Fleet takes the base off his fucking off to the side. And all you see is swinging dong. So, butt ass naked. Yeah. Butt ass yeah. naked. I said, no, it won't be long. Just big old dick swinging. And I'm like, thanks, Fleet. That's great. I appreciate that. That's what happens when you steal cable, kids. Well, I was just like, I was memorized. I was like, wow, I got to learn how to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And he did it in rhythm. That man had rhythm with his dick, too. I'm like, all right, yeah. Can't do that, can you, Phil? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, since we're talking about basses, um, <laughs> John, I'm going to, this was by accident. It's only because you brought up basses. Uh, I'm going to, John Avila from uh, Oingo Boingo. Great bass player. They had a different bass player, which honestly, unfortunately, I don't remember his name. For the first couple albums, he got replaced by John Avila. And in that, in my impression, in my opinion, the band was completed at that point. Mm-hmm. And and the bass playing was just up a notch. John Avila is just one of the, I it's the it's cliche when you say one of those bass players, one of the greatest bass players you've ever heard of. John Avila by definition. Not a lot of people know who he is, but god damn it, you should. Um and just an honorable mention of Mike Rutherford, another Genesis reference. Of course, I'm going to blow these guys because they're the greatest band that's ever been on the face of the planet. And there's no debate. That's not an argument. That's fact. That's scripture. I'm kidding. Kind of. Sort of. Um, Cause I know Foxy would be like, yeah, but I'm like, no, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Mike Rutherford and Tony Banks. Let's just get this out of the way. The three core members mm-hmm. of Genesis. Of course, Peter Gabriel's prolific because he's Peter fucking Gabriel. He's the patron saint of rock and roll, as Pierre Robert calls it. Um, that's another podcast for another time. We should do a Peter Gabriel icon thing one day, just for me. Um, but I always mention how prolific songwriters that Tony Banks and Mike Rutherford were, as well as Phil. I mean, of course, Phil became global because he was just print and he just uh, fart another fucking top 10 another time he was just pumping them out the band together were pumping these out for a good 20 years a top 10 was oh that's top 10 that's top 10 that's top 10 mike rutherford went on to form mike and mechanic i know people know because it's living years all i need is a miracle and there's like two or three more that were top 40 hits uh, mm-hmm. Right, right after another. I know them. I'm not going to mention them because nobody knows what these songs are. Mike Rutherford is an amazing bassist. That's the thing I love about my band. I say my band as in my boys, is because it wasn't just one guy. Mm-hmm. Like Pink Floyd, we're like Roger Waters made that band with his lyrics and, and writing about that shit and madness, and education, and how much the government is fucking this up, which nobody apparently paid attention to, because people go to his concert and go, why is he so political? Where the fuck were you for the last 40 years, idiot? But people go, David Gilmore is an amazing musician. The other guys were fine. 
this band had Phil and Mike and Tony. I'll get to Tony in a second, and then I'm not going to mention the rest of this episode. So skip ahead about two minutes, and we'll be clear. Mike Rutherford, which honestly, I didn't really discover paying attention to until the remasters came out, the remixes. And all that stuff was cleaned up and cleared and channeled properly. And you're, I, where, I, never occurred to me that this amazing bass line is underneath this drum. And of course I knew because all the music videos, when there's an instrumental break, it's Phil and Mike looking at each other. Well, Phil's drumming or Mike, they're the one holding it down. Boom. It's a bass percussion. And I'll simply say this about Tony Banks, as far as what you've never heard his other stuff. Tony Banks is the guy that nobody's heard of in Genesis outside of Genesis fans. Right. Shame on you, people. <laughs> Tony Banks. Because people, I don't, is it me or do people kind of cast keyboard as pianist aside these days? Yes. Yes, they do. Isn't that the dumbest thing you've ever heard, first of all? Yes, it is. Okay. Not just me? No. I will say it like this only because only Tony Banks could say this and everybody would laugh because other people would be like, what the fuck did you just say? But with Tony, you're like, he brings up a good point. He was given an award recently in the last five years about um, his accomplishments in music. And again, prolific songwriter. Th that band is not the same without him. Sound-wise or otherwise. Completely different band if you interchange any of these guys. Completely. As found out when you took Phil out and Calling All Stations. Still a Genesis album. Not the same Genesis because you hear a little bit of you definitely hear Mike and Tony. We're like, who's this other guy? Oh, different guy. Um, Tony Banks is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, pianist keyboardist that has ever put his hands on 88 keys. Period. And I encourage anybody who loves classical music, orchestration, or that kind of atmospheric sound to look up Tony Banks's work. And and listen to it. I'm not a, I'm not going to force you. This is just a suggestion. And I will end this quote and let Foxy take back over. And I will not mention Genesis the rest of this episode. I hope by saying this when he was given this award, he mentioned in his speech. You know, recently I was named uh, top eleventh uh, keyboardist in the world, and I'd like to know who the hell the other ten were. That's Tony Banks. It, it's it's true though. It takes keyboardist, right? Keyboardist, yes. But e even even so far as just when certain musicians come together, it's just magic, and you can tell that there's a difference. Again, piggybacking off of the whole Red Hot Chili Peppers thing, like Chili Peppers before and after Dave Navarro. I personally feel the Dave Navarro years with One Hot Minute were the best Red Hot Chili Pepper years. And it was a special kind of magic. That whole album, the whole vibe, it was just so different. And that's the sound that has not been captured since Dave Navarro has left. You know? And again, it just it's a certain certain kind of magic, which also kind of underrated. Dave Navarro, go check out his solo album. Oh, Dave Navarro's Amazing. great. Amazing. Dave Navarro's a great start. solo album. You're crazy you haven't listened to him. I'm going to put his uh, one of his tracks on the compilation playlist. Uh, listener in the chat, turn my headphones up. Number one says, isn't just the idea of piano crazy? Like, how did we even think of that? 
I which when you think about it, you're like, oh yeah, it's a percussion instrument. How the fuck did you get from there to there? (laughs) I used to want to play piano until I realized I had to move my feet with my hands. I can't do that. I wanted to learn piano too until in the first class I was like, I want to play Tony Banks. They were like, get out. Because I wasn't doing the I, I gave I gave it a go and I'm like I I I physically cannot do that at the same time. Which I'm so I, this is where I give so many musicians credit, especially drummers and bassists when it comes to bands. If they are drumming or doing the bass while singing, holy shit, you're talented because the bass and or the drums hold the beats of a song, a steady beat it's not like guitar where there's different riffs or different chords to play again it's a steady beat and to have to sing along with that while keep i've i've tried it i cannot do it it is absolutely like hands and hats off to y'all can you do it can I drum and sing at the same time? Yeah. Not very good. <laughs> no, no, no. Because I'll I'll practice I'll practice drums. Right? There's this app called Moises where you can pull tracks off of songs. Mm-hmm. And of course, I rip the drums off stuff, put it on my uh, phone so I can hook it up to the drum kit and play along to songs and fill the drums back in. A lot of times it's the band I just mentioned that I said I wouldn't mention again. So I'll sit there and be playing something. And I'm like, let me try to sit. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, no, it doesn't happen. But on the other side of it, what I was going to say was there's sometimes I'll be playing along to a drum, uh, to a song on a drum, then I'll, I'll, I'll end the song and I'll be like, I don't know how I got through that. It was pretty goddamn. I've only been doing this since I was six. <laughs> wow. Uh, now, to, to segue from that, too. The other bassist who I'm going to mention that is very underrated as a bassist. He gets more credit as a vocalist and a little bit of credit as a lyricist, though he should be like higher up on the lyricist list, is uh, Peter Steele of Typo Negative. Peter Steele was not only the lead singer of the band, but the bassist. He actually never wanted to even be lead singer of the band, but nobody could capture the sounds that they wanted and when he subbed one evening it was like okay dude no you're you you have to kind of like sing along Hold on, this guy's not a porn star peter Steele. yeah he did play girl because he had a really uh yeah big, no uh, i yeah 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 no, he, he, no he i know play, yeah he he did play girl in jest because he's was hung peter Steele is unfortunately no longer with us damn it but yeah i know but Peter Steele was... That's impressive. Right? That's impressive dong right there, man. Yes. Uh, so for, for those of you who do not know, Typo Negative is a Brooklyn-based band uh, led by the, unfortunately, former Peter Steele. Uh, again, he was the lead singer as well as the main lyricist and the bass player. That is also a band that, without the organist, would not have fucking been right at all see the 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 whole the whole band's mo they are they're um i guess you could call them a goth bands you know even though their music is amazing and definitely prog inspired because they're 
the whole album bloody kisses just goes from zero to a hundred back down to zero and it's amazing um but the whole band centers around bass lines and the organ and without either especially the organ player who went to like keyboards and the piano etc sure yeah the the song none of the songs would be the same at all so those are also two very underrated artists that are added to the list i unfortunately forgot the name of the keyboardist's name i know he was just really creepy looking i'll get up in a minute kind of creepy looking that and the whole falls into the whole singing well bass line thing again Uh, i can't i I can't do it but but he's not underrated by any stretch but you know i go back to rush mm -hmm. i go back to getty lean Getty Lee in the same show will play bass and sing and keyboards. Now, of course, he's not doing bass and keyboards at the same time. He's doing bass pedals while he's playing keyboards when he needs to. But this is why singing? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no. I, that's it. It was always more natural to me. It's when I see a singer playing an instrument i immediately get uncomfortable i'm like how are you doing this and still hitting the chords i don't understand like when you see a front man who will also play an instrument when he's not singing i'm like yeah that seems feasible got that this is also why i'm not a professional musician mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that takes some coordination i want to um bring it back to another band go and I uh, want to focus on one guy. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bring up two bands in this part of the discussion. Okay. One band I've brought up many times before. One band I brought up maybe once or twice in the episodes. Uh, XTC. Now, I know a certain someone in the chat is going to go off about XTC and something because I, fi- I found out a couple weeks ago that XTC is featured pretty prominently in this person's favorite television show. I didn't know Gilmore Girls. Yeah. I did. Like, not just music, like an album that nobody bought except for XTC fans is mentioned on an episode. That is in passing. Wild. Somebody was a fan. Uh, The person who person, I I forget their name. And if if Danny's active in the chat, they will tell me Mm -hmm. Uh, the person who wrote for the show, who is a musician had to be a fan of this band. Because huh. uh, I mentioned before the short version, XTC, I know anybody who's our age has heard an XTC song because I didn't think I did till Kelly played King for Day and I was, or uh, Mayor Simpleton. I was like, look at shit, I heard this song a bunch when I was a kid. King for a Day. I've heard that song a bunch when I was a kid on, on Top 40 Radio in Philly. I know that song. But um, I want to focus specifically on, and I don't mean this as a shot at Colin Molden, Molding, who is a hell of a, hell of a, hell of a prolific songwriter in the band. He's the one that wrote their first sing, uh, top uh, 40 single. Uh, but Andy Partridge of XTC. Andy Partridge, I don't really want to say suffers from, but 
he has um oh my god what is it called i'm looking it up because i forgot as soon as it, he hears things okay if he, right if he hears he sees uh, uh synesthesia yeah i get i get it i got it right it's called synesthesia synesthesia perceptual uh, per, uh Perceptual phenomena, phenomena in which stimulation of one sensory or cognitive pathway leads to involuntary experiences in the second sense, sensory or cognitive pathway. So he'll hear, he'll strum a note and he will see something. He'll hit a string and he'll see something. Which has made him, as much as I've put over Genesis on this show and will again, not this episode, I mean the show in general, I'm not lying. XTC is one of those bands that literally got better every single album. From the first to the last. Uh, and sales, I don't mean sales to prove it, because you know they were still making music when there was only two guys left in the band, and they, they stopped touring in the early 80s because Andy had severe anxiety and stage fright, and he could not physically perform, so they stopped touring altogether. They, did, they, they finally cracked American music started touring with police and then it's like, I can't, he quit volume to- cold turkey, uh, uh, volume cold turkey. He's like, I can't go on. Th- I can't do it. Very few appearances on stage um, after that, but Andy Partridge is so goddamn underrated. But at the same time, I know most people who will listen to this will have heard something from Andy. He still writes for the monkeys. Yeah, the monkeys still put albums out. <laughs> he write he 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 has written he has written more songs for more people that have been used in different things than a lot of people than than a lot of people other people have had their stuff used. It's incredible. I can't encourage people enough to find out who Andy Partridge is and find his music. On the other side of that. Is a little band called Jellyfish. Do we know anybody in this room know who Jellyfish is? Do, do you know who Jellyfish is? I do. Okay. Songs off the top of my head, I don't. No, that's okay. I don't need no. Okay. No, because they were done dirty by stupid people and not buying music. Um, but Andy. <laughs> You know how earlier, this actually is what made me think of it. You were saying people who sing and drum or play instrument at the same time. Mm-hmm. This dude played drums standing up and was the lead singer. Shit. So, you, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, again, it's a band Kelly got me into. And it's one of those bands when I listened to them, I was ashamed that I was not privy to them uh, before I was in my goddamn thirties. <laughs> I'll say it like that. Jellyfish, Andy Sturmer uh, in particular. Uh, AOJ, what's up? Is I? It's astounding. It's just I. I the album spilt milk. They only did two albums. One of the best records I ever put out, period. 
Like I'll put it over that much. It's that good. Uh, I know. I know we're focusing on artists itself, but I wanted to focus on the whole band. Mm-hmm. It's like the Beach Boys meets Queen meets a little bit of punk, a little bit of grunge, and a lot of pop. It's insane. This album, Spilt Milk by Jellyfish, and prolific. Andy has written for the Powerpuff Girls. He did their theme song. Um, he does. He still does music for Cartoon Network shows or cartoon shows. That's what he does. He literally composes cartoon scores from Jellyfish, and he works straight on through, and he writes cartoon animated show, scores. It's insane. I beg people. All the other things I've said, find Jellyfish Spilt Milk, listen to it. I beg you. Wow. Well, in mentioning a whole band, as far as people needing to know things about, I got one too. It, it flat out garbage. Oh, now, look, I know everybody know should know of the band's garbage. Okay, everybody knows at least one or two tracks of theirs, and that is absolutely fine. I only felt the need to talk about them in this episode because of the fact that they're a band that shouldn't have been like at all because all Butch Vig and them, not Shirley, but the, uh, the, the uh, I guess you said the musicians in the bands, you know, they were all producers for other bands and they decided, hey, we should probably do the sound that we really like and want to do. And they legitimately took things from their garbage to create. They literally took things from their garbage can to create. Because I remember hearing a whole big interview because I was desperately obsessed with this band. Even so far as Shirley Manson. Because she was in a group previously called Angelfish, who did not get as much love as they deserved in the early 90s because the early 90s alt scene was trying to push bands like Curve and Drill as their alts female-led group. So on a technicality, even she was a part of the whole technically picking things out of the garbage because they worked with her, they loved her sounds, and wanted her a part of it. And... It falls into this, the underrated and what you should know more about simply because, again, these guys were producers. Uh, Butch did uh, two first two pumpkins. Yeah, they were just producers of a bunch of other bands that were successful and had hits that decided... I want to make our own shit. And these things, these other bands don't want can be a thing. And again, even, even so far as just Shirley Manson, you know, them going, she's not getting the play. She rightfully deserves. She goddamn should be. Damn fucking right. Yeah. I know. So I, I, I don't know why, but I had it on my list today of what I just felt needed to be more appreciated about this band because again this is the band that never should have been and, and still it are 
and still are. They're actually doing live performances now. They're on tour with Alanis Morissette. Yep. And it's... <laughs> you know it's, what's um, funny? You mentioned Butch. Butch yeah. doesn't look like a musician at all. No, he looks you like look he at, could be IT tech. Yeah, you look at Bitch and he talks like, well, you know, I just, you know, I'm going to do... And then he gets behind the drum, you're like, all right, fucking Butch. <laughs> okay, dude, I, God, none God of that, with the exception of Shirley, none of them look like they should be in a band. They should, they look like they should be like doing IT work at a major company. Correct, because Shirley is a goddess. Damn right. Thank you. Ugh. I have to play you audio of uh, young Preston from Preston and Steve about Shirley Manson later. I'm like talking 94, 95. Mm-hmm. God, look at her. She ages like wine. She's just beautiful, except for when she bleached her hair blonde. That did not work. Yeah, not a fan of that. That did not work at all. And she looks like you know what you know what I like about her. She looked like she'd fucking fight you too if you gave. Well, she's Scottish, so yeah, she will kick your ass. And she won't. Un- and you won't be able to understand a word she says to you as she's screaming on. Yeah, she's kicking your ass. No, no, not at all. You, you I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. She can be that scene, never mind. It's, it's it's the scene in Euro Trip with Lucy Lawless. <laughs> I forgot what the word was that he had to say, but I forgot the word too, but yes. Bring out the clamps. <laughs> I forgot that's Lucy Lawless, first of all. And then I'm like, yeah. I love Euro Trip so much. Euro Trip is such a underrated. underrated. There's not a stream where one of us will not mention well not reference oh what else you made out with your sister <laughs> shut up shut up shut up shut up i always quote whenever i'm in an awkward situation i'll always sit there and go this is not where i parked my car <laughs> every time god i need to watch that movie again now i do too yeah i've been thinking about it all week too so i'm not surprised i think the stars of the line <laughs> yeah Definitely. Uh, can I throw Jimmy Chamberlain in as underrated drummers? Absolutely. Yeah, he Jimmy was. Chamberlain. Because he, he still fucking is crazy yeah. to have to have this conversation with people that Jimmy Chamberlain, Smashing Pumpkins. Because everybody sees Smashing Pumpkins and they hear, yeah, yeah, you know, they hear Billy Corgan and they know Billy. And I'm like, listen. We all know Billy played all the instruments in a couple albums. You know, initially he didn't play the drums because he can't. And considering he's an amazing musician in his own right, in my opinion, he is also underrated as a guitarist. Yes. That's another podcast for, as Craig said, HNP, whole another podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but focus on Jimmy Chamberlain. Uh, top five my favorite drummers period end of story in my personal opinion so good so good i have a question okay given the fact that again we've we've spoken about systems of a downs drummer now and jimmy chamberlain and i'm even going to throw this one out there i don't know his name but holy fuck the drummer from fear factory (gasps) okay Mm-hmm. Now, considering those caliber of drummers that we have, why? And this is no disrespect, 
But why is Lars Ulrich still considered one of the greatest drummers? All right. I am not a Metallica sympathizer. But I am. <laughs> like, I don't care about Metallica anymore in that way. If they release new music, great. Um, I am the wrong person to ask because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer it like this. You're not going to get unbiased with me. I do think Lars Ulrich does get there. There is before Lars. There's after Lars. There is. He is. He is the most amazing drummer ever. Certainly not. Not by any stretch. Uh, but he came along at the right fucking time. That band came along at the right fucking time. And that's why Lars is prolific. There are 80 drummers I can name that are better than Lars. But he's damn good for what he is supposed to do in that band. Minus mm. St. Anger. Um, and I'm impartial to their earlier stuff because it's fucking prod. It's prod yeah. rock, period. Mm-hmm. Long intros. We Oh, we're three minutes in. Hey, there's a lyric. Shit. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think Lars is a, is a fantastic drummer. Um, Lars gets a lot of slack and rightfully earned preface that mm-hmm. uh, I explain it like this um, how I feel about Lars I love to hate that guy and I hate to love him because it goes back to some kind of monster and this is how I explain my love for Lars or my what I think of Lars excuse me um, I want to strangle him 98% of the time like Lars shut the fuck up stop but then i remember where i'm like hey still the but the it's still about the band to him and it's in some kind of monster when they have the psychiatrist in the studio with them have you seen that movie no oh if you can find it and and watch it it's turns in it starts as a documentary about the album and then just watches their descent into breaking up mm-hmm. and psycho just the cluster f that the early 2000s were but um, and I don't mean like blood guts, and, like it's fascinating to watch. It's fascinating to watch, and this explains it. And also, again, how I feel about Lars, the psychiatrist is with them, right? And one day, the psychiatrist is sitting there, names next to James. He slips him a piece of paper with a lyric on it that he wrote. The doctor does. James looks at it in his pocket. The next shot is the next morning where Lars or, Lar, or the doctor's sitting there making a sandwich before they start the date. Lars pimps right in next to him, throws a piece of paper down, sits next to him, the little Dutch asshole, and goes, So, y'all, you want to write another lyric for our band there, huh? Huh? You want to? I'm like, You tell it. <laughs> He's not there to be in that man. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so it's like, Lars is. I guess I can relate to Lars a little bit where it's like, damn it, you shut up. Are you going to play with this later? <laughs> it's like, it's like that. I do think that a lot of the hate for Lars's drumming does come from people who don't not liking him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I understand why nobody will forgive him for an Napster. Uh, I get it. Even though he's starting some tape out of garage, Lars. Um, but uh, he's fine. He's a fine drummer. Is he anywhere near the caliber of Jimmy Chamberlain? Well, fuck no. 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 
Not in a million years. But this is coming from a guy that thinks he's fine. Is he anywhere near the caliber of any of the drummers I mentioned on this show? No, absolutely not. Not even. He's Ringo in Metallica, only we like Ringo. Hmm. That makes sense? It does make sense. Does Did it? Did I answer your question? I don't really think I answered the question. I did. I said he's not. He's he's fine. He's a fine drummer. He's fine. Yeah. There's nothing. Uh, I mean, he I, doesn't suck, but he's fine. Yeah. I only ask because when it comes, when it always came to music, I pick it apart. You yeah. know, I try to Good. I listen to it, and then I listen to it each other time, picking out the instruments. And I, that's just always what I've done till this very day. And it, it, I ask more so because I know he's always been said to have been this great drummer. But whenever mm-hmm. I personally listened to Metallica, the drums never stuck out for me. So it wasn't a matter. It wasn't a matter of you know because I mean we all know about the Napster. Honestly, if it wasn't for Napster, I wouldn't really know him on a first name basis. So it. Sometimes it's weird because it's never the world is full of gray areas. Everything's yeah. a gray area. Nothing's black and white. Never has been. People tried to make it black and white before people, you know, learn how to discourse. Although that's also a fault these days. Um, but you also got to look at it as a generational thing. I mentioned earlier there was drumming before and after Phil. Yeah. It's it's like that with Lars. It really is. There are probably not probably there are better drummers that are drumming because of him. That make that you know yes. Right. Yeah. Um and again, I watch him in an interview and he comes out, I'm like, I want to strangle him. By the end of the interview, I'm like, yeah, fucking Lars. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's Dave Vistain I have a problem with. How fucked up do you have to be that the Metallica threw you out? Lars didn't get thrown out. You did. Who did you piss off, Dave? No, I'm kidding. I mean, again, it, right it, and it's it's you know I can ask this now because I'm older, but also because this is you and you know with the drums and the conversation that we're having. Because I've had Appreciate I've tried to have that. these I I've tried to have these conversations before, like predominantly in high school because you know music. Oh, yeah, you can't mention that. He's the greatest. Oh, my, especially with the group of people I would speak to. They were, you know, one group had their own band and the band sucked. And then, you know, the other, my other friends had their own little band and they were okay. But like, we all loved music, but it just. The best musician in Metallica died years ago. I'll say that. Mm. And And I don't mean that they suck. I'm just saying as far as. I mean, it's been proven you can replace the, somebody the in Metallica. That I was talking, it was the magic that I mentioned earlier earlier before. Yeah, sorry. It, there was a magic with Cliff Burton. And this is a this is a guy who's a fan of Metallica. This is a guy who's a fan of Metallica after they cut their hair because I'm not a schmuck. Oh, the debate that sparked in high school when Load came out. I remember. They got fucking haircuts. Yeah, but the album's really good though. Yeah, no, it's not. Dude, oh, I so remember. Okay. Oh, I remember. I was in middle school, but I remember. Because the group, okay, there was my group in high school that was of my uh my class, which was at the time sophomore year. And 
the only other rockers in school was another group from senior that were seniors. So of course, Load comes out and we're a little bit more accepting of the haircut because the album was good. But the seniors, rock and roll seniors who thought Bad Religion was like the best band working on God's green earth was so anti-Metallica after the haircuts. And we're like, do you like the music and the band or is there something about you that you're not telling us because it's just I like hair. their long flowing hair. Yeah, it was it was so dude. Like I didn't have a whole lot of friends in high school just with, with those little groups that I had, but the music fucking gatekeeping with it. I was like the odd the black sheep out because I liked no doubt. Man, did I get shit on for that. Wait, like for for no doubt yeah i was shit on so hard for liking no doubt i'm like they're different we like different you're just not allowed to like ska i found that out that ska is something you're not allowed to like well in in their defense their defense oh, was um there's so many other better ska bands out there oh Here. get who Check names this- three of them well, at that time, they were like, here, check out this Save Ferris album. And it was like, yeah, the band's good. I'm still allowed to like, no doubt. That's the thing. It was always, oh, but this band was doing it first and they're better. So here, try them. Not- it was like, like the, the same conversation happened when Evanescence came out. Okay. Never, never. Evanescence, Evanescence, Evanescence. There were like one or two people on the indie scene that I was friends with. They were like, check out lacuna coil i'm like can i i I like can can i like them too like do i have to like who did it first versus who got signed first i thought only pink floyd fans were allowed to be pink floyd fan says the pink floyd fan yeah adrian young's a hell of a drummer too by the way i just want to throw that out there now i'm guilty of it too but not to that extent like if someone likes Hey, you like, know what? No doubt had more than the other ska bands. Gwen, a record deal, <laughs> yeah, and a record deal. But they also had Gwen Stefani, and you didn't. Mm-hmm. Don't say real big fish. Mm-hmm. Not you. I meant generally. No, but I mean, I've, I'm not gonna lie. I've been guilty of it, but not in a gatekeeping way. Because I had a there's a friend of mine that loved Lacuna Coil, loved them to death. I'm like. Check out Within Temptation. I think you'll like them too. Yeah, and then you stopped. Yeah. You make a suggestion, then you move on. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to sit there and go, Within Temptation has been doing it a lot longer. However, in the same right, Nightwish has been doing it a lot longer than them, so you might want to check out them. Like, no. It's like Dean with Genesis, right? He loves that last album they did with Phil, We Can't Dance. Mm -hmm. And he should. It's a great album. Fucking great. But, you know, for a little while there, I was like, I I wasn't going, Dean, did you listen to Genesis yet? You know, I'd bring, when he first met me, I'd bring up Genesis a lot. And I no. don't know if you know this. Yeah, thank you. And he tried to listen to, he went all the fuck of the way back to 71 and tried to listen to the musical box. And he said, after two minutes and 30, he goes, I gave up. And I said, I would not have sent you there, but it, that, that was all I needed. Never mention it again. 
<laughs> That's all I needed to hear. I'm like, all right, well, I guess this conversation's over. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The musical box, bro. <laughs> Damn. Great song. How dare you? Well, I'm gonna give one more. Maybe as a final two, unless you got any afterwards. I got nothing. All right. Uh, a lyricist that I feel you should all know a little bit more about. Mm. Not historically, but just because it gets passed over. So Kelly Clarkson had a brilliant, brilliant album called, I think it was Haunted. I have to double check this. New Jersey came back there. I think it was called haunted yeah i you know i try to sound as un-jersey as i can sometimes for podcasts hey. but this is you and i so i don't hey, really yeah i don't give it. we're both from care. jersey okay yeah. so it is this album it's haunted, I, have a funny, right? I have a funny yeah well there's a song called haunted it's my december is the album my december thank you i thought that was the track yeah my december by kelly clarkson technically her sophomore album even though it's listed as her third album this was the album she wrote and was very influential on as far as it sounds to break away from the american idol bubble this album digs so deep so deep so you would not believe it was Kelly Clarkson. Surprisingly, she had, you know, two hits out of it, which was Sober and um, Never Again. But, you know, according to lists and producers, et cetera, they were never as big as everything that they had created for her for her other album, like Since You've Been Gone, etc. They weren't as happy. Which is what makes the album so fucking great. And I have to bring this up over and over again because this album just shows what an artist can do when you give them that independence as an artist. You know, something that, you know, Pink eventually got and took the ball and ran with it. But unfortunately, since Kelly Clarkson was, how do you describe? Uh, she was basically WWE taking, you know, a fitness model and making them a musician. Yeah, That's it was what manufactured. Was, so I yes. Like yeah. So they put her back in that manufactured role after that album, to which now we have her hosting, you know, an hey, early morning talk show. No, wait. That they use Josh Robert Thompson to do contests all the time, and he's one of my favorite. Talk about people you never heard of. Look up Josh Robert Thompson, amazing comedian, uh, voiceover actor. They use him all the time. So don't knock Kelly Clarkson's show because no, no, not you uh, in general. Oh, uh, not you. I mean, in general, uh, because not only do I have, to, I have a Kelly Clarkson story after this, um. Uh, not only is she on TV and, and I like her, uh, but Josh Robert Thompson's on there often. 
um he does the celebrity guess the celebrity um voices competition they'll do sometimes he's the one doing the impressions all the time uh i have a funny kelly clarkson story and it happens to be uh from this album uh and touring cycle so my ex-girlfriend big kelly clarkson fan bought tickets for the tower theater show for that tour and we go to the show and uh, that was the beginning of enter a relationship but that's neither here nor there um let's just say it uh um let's just say um, didn't like being made to walk through upper derby at eight o'clock at night and that's all we have to say people in from the area know what i'm talking about um them crazy white folks that I'm afraid of. um <laughs> moving on anyway uh one of the best live shows i've ever seen and it was at the tower theater which is like a I don't even know the capacity. It's a smaller, it's not a, it's not a tiny theater. It's not by any means a large theater, but it's a prolific theater. And the stage show began where like the curtain facade opened up and you saw her sitting there like the album cover, which came to life. And then the show started. I was like, fucking hey, let's go. I don't, I don't know any of these songs and I don't care. Let's go. I'm gonna look at the uh, mm-hmm. tower theater. If she was, if she was able to just continue making her own music like she did for my December, yeah, like the rest of her music career would be so different. Not saying it wasn't successful; she's had other hits after. But again. My, com- my biggest comparison is Pink because Pink had to play the game at first until she was like, fuck this, I'm doing what I like, what I want, my lyrics, etc. I'm hiring my producers, Linda Perry, blah, blah, blah. And till this very day, we still have Pink, raw and authentic and genuine pop- sometimes popping out hits, sometimes not, but popping out great fucking albums. Yeah, but she's and, still hanging around. Yeah, and it's like Kelly Clarkson could have had that same fucking story if they just let her ride it out after that album because that album just it was her like you could just hear it was her lyrically down to how they arranged all the music with a little bit more of a harder pop rock edge and it was amazeballs and I think everybody else in the world should listen to just that whole album because it's amazing. And it doesn't get it doesn't get the same love as the album with Since You've Been Gone and Because of You. And it's like the more you know. Well, I I wonder if the Tower Theater is done. Uh-oh. A lot of places are. Yeah, I don't. Anyway, that's where I saw Ghost for the first time. I saw them at the uh, Tower Theater. Hey, let's talk about let's uh, let's go back to our covers discussion for a second. Sure. So, and I knew it was coming because it was announced a while ago. But the, speaking of Metallica, um, the Black Album got um, is it thirty? Shit, it is thirtieth anniversary release, and it's like a 
multi-disc box set. I say multi because it's like either five or ten discs, but it's a bunch of artists that have been somehow influenced or, you know, been influential to them in some way doing covers of songs on the Black Album and a remaster repackaging of the Black Album proper. And, uh, and one of our favorite bands did a cover of a classic, if not the classic, uh, Metallica song. And I have some thoughts. But I wanted to get your thoughts first. Ghost covered. And I'm wearing the Slimer ghost uh, shirt today. Um, get it? Because he's a ghost. Um, they covered Inner Sandman. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think? I thought it was good. I mean, I did. It, I kind of like the Weezer one a little bit better. <laughs> yes, I do. Because <laughs> it was so unexpected from Weezer. Yeah. Yeah. But yet you hear it. The Weezer, okay, not to take away from the ghost conversation, but in the Weezer one, if you listen really closely, really fucking closely, the guitarist, when he's doing the solo, he, uh, y- you hear the little from Buddy Holly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I popped so huge. I'm like, oh. Oh. So, I mean, I prefer the Weezer one, but no, the ghost did a pretty good job of it. I think it was, it sounds like if Ghost wrote Enter Sandman. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was exactly. fine. I don't. I think that original. I think that song's a classic. Yes. Um. I think it's easier to cover than you know. In the air tonight, it's a lot of covers, and there's not a lot of ninety-eight co- percent of the covers of that song. I'm like, fuck out of here. Now, you showed me one or two where I'm like, all right, I, I, I can get on this. I think there's one that you. I if I recall, there's one that you had me listen to that you were like, see what I mean? It's not that good. And I'm like. Actually, like this a lot. The, yeah, the, uh, the in this moment one. In this moment one. That's right. Yeah, we were like, it's not. It's it's okay. I'm like, no, this is like one of my favorites so far. <laughs> it's better than that non-point one, which is the one that I like. Which is the one that you like? Where I'm like, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was fine cover. I I know there is for some reason there is a weird. And I'll say weird. It's obvious there is a connection mm-hmm. between Ghost and Metallica. That is unbreakable. And what I would like to see is Metallica cover one of their songs. Yeah. That's what I want to see. Um, mm-hmm. Because there's footage of uh, James playing Cerise in studio. Oh. And I'm like, that's a goddamn Metallica song I've ever heard on. I also want to hear Ozzy do From the Pinnacle to the Pit, but I don't think I'm ever going to get because that's an Ozzy Osbourne song in my opinion. Yeah, I don't mean is. they stole it from Ozzy. I'm saying no, it, it, it sounds like it's it, slapped right in the middle yes. of the mid-80s Ozzy Osbourne record. Yes, I fucking agree so much with that. And 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 so that and Cerise sounds like Metallica. I could totally hear James singing that. And it's yeah. an easy enough drum beat for Lars. See what I did there? Hey! No, I, I, I can see it. I actually have to listen to the other things off of Blacklist. <laughs> well, more, more so, more so. I wanted my favorite song off of the Black album is "Wherever I May Roam," so I need to hear at least oh versions. No, I changed my mind. There's one I need to hear that I haven't heard yet. Miley Cyrus did "Nothing Else Matters" with um, Elton John. Hmm. Elton John yeah, does yeah, piano. There it is. There it is, yeah. Elton John does the piano on it, and Elton John, they interviewed Elton John, like they had Metallica sitting there with Miley. Oh. What? 
No, I'm, I'm, my morning jacket also covered Nothing Else Matters. Oh, damn. Yeah, there's a couple bands. There's like the songs are covered in different styles by different bands. Yeah. But there's an interview that Elton John, it almost brought James to tears. Actually, I think he does wipe away tears because Elton's just sitting there blowing. That's a terrible pun. Um, Elton, he's virtually but I didn't mean to say that because I mean, he would. <laughs> he's sitting there. Whoopsie. Uh, he's he's virtually blowing the song because he's like, he's straight up was like, it's one of the most, he said something to the effect of it's like a classic song. Yeah. It's one of the most beautiful songs he's ever heard. And it cuts to James doing that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fucking Sir Elton John is going, hey, dude, this one. And I yeah. had to play it because he liked it. But basically, he's like, I wanted to play it because I loved it so much. And I'm like, I've blown me. That's blowing me away. And, and Elton John, Elton John works with everybody. Elton John is not. That's one of those guys that doesn't stay in his. Um, his box. I mean, he's done. Well, he did stand. Box, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he didn't. He, he I mean, he did stand with Eminem mm-hmm. as an FU to the people who are like, he's a homophobe. And Elton John was like, no, stupid. That's not at all what he said. Oh, God. Uh, you know, he's that their song he did with Ozzy that last year or the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, Ordinary Man. First of all, I forgot how good friends they were. And then I went back. And I, they never released it on DVD or, or, or anything on home video. The, the last two seasons of the Osbournes. Mm-hmm. But there's an episode where, um, uh, oh, what the fuck is his husband's name? Damn it! I knew I was going to forget. I'm so disrespectful. Elton and his uh, and and his husband go to visit the Osbournes and just shop. <laughs> like what the fuck? Like they're buddies, buddies. Yeah, it's one of those. Huh? How did that okay. happen? Yeah. Oh, what is his husband's name? God damn it. David. David. Idiot. David Furnish. So stupid. Anyway, before I say something else dumb, let's go. <laughs> well, I mean, that was really all I had because I don't think... I'm not sure if this one counts as the more you know. What? The musical and vocal range of Corey Taylor. Then, from from Slipknot to Stone I mean, Sour to his single, his solo career right now, which are also vastly different. His new mask is awesome, by the way. I I liked it. You know what? Ghost cover him to understand it sucked. How about that? You're all wrong. It sucks. No. <laughs> Can't say that with straight face. Well, uh, yeah, I think so. I think that I think that counts. Underrated. It should count. I think so because I mean, you know, Corey Taylor via Slipknot is all you know. Prior to what it's evolved in when it first started, was very, very in your face and metal, very, you know, raspy, growly lyric music, along with lyrics you really couldn't understand unless you had the CD and opened up the jacket. And then Stone Sour had that more melodic 
hard rock sound. And, you know, Corey let his vocal belts out a little bit, but it's more so with, with his solo career now where even though it's still in the hard rock genre, Stone Sour is still so greatly different from Stone Sour. Even vocally, like, Corey Teller can fucking sing. Like, he he can sing his ass off. And you got a little bit of that with Stone Sour. Especially on YouTube. He He has a lot of YouTube clips up of him just at shows where he would take requests from the audience to cover and he would belt them out. But the venture he's doing now solo wise, it's better than what he was already doing with Stone Sour, which you didn't think he could get better. And he did. And it's, it blows my mind to know what Corey Taylor is now versus when I first saw Slipknot live. I'm like, whoa, like I thought they were great then. Then he unmasks and he sings and then we have him now. It's like, you're going to become a national treasure one day. <laughs> he is. Yeah. He definitely and he al- is. And he also, he also uh, got sick from, by some, as he said, some selfish mother effort. Mm-hmm. Now he, he seems to be doing okay. They're touring, man. It's You take your precautions. You'll be, you'll be okay, guys. You'll be okay. Cause, uh, I'll be taking precautions to see the band I said I would not mention again and twice <laughs> in a month and a half to uh, November 18th and then December 2nd. Nice. Uh, I uh, speaking of them, they did it. They, they did do a documentary and I was real nervous. I was real scared. I was like, oh, what's it going to sound like? Now I'm scared. And by the end of it, I was like, yeah, we'll be, we'll be fine. Uh, but it's on a friend posted it on YouTube because while see Genesis is a great band where they don't care, which helps because they don't care. <laughs> like, 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 okay. So Tony Smith manages Pink Floyd and Genesis. He manages other bands, but those are his two. That's what he does. He can retire after this. I mean, he could have retired 30 years ago with these two. That's neither here nor there. But he, he, he manages these two bands. Pink Floyd, their YouTube channel is getting stuff uploaded on a weekly basis that's digitally remastered, uh, uh, restored footage that's restored, looks gorgeous. Genesis has music videos up with the wrong titles on it. <laughs> no reply at all. She has Genesis, no reply. And I'm like, that bothers me. That's not the name of the goddamn song. Like, it's just weird things like that. So... Mm-hmm. On the other side of it, when you take Pink Floyd music, they will immediately demonetize and take your shit. Genesis doesn't care. <laughs> they don't care. They're like, I don't care. So it's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, so a friend of mine ripped this PBS special. It is on YouTube. If you search Genesis, the last domino documentary, it is there. Uh, we're going to have a good time. And I'll be masked up in a big, fat Genesis mask. I paid for it. I want it. It's time to end. Yes. Uh, be- before we do end, I figure we'll get a just quick little uh, with the times music news. Uh, us here at Manic Mixtape. They're never going to hear it, but it doesn't matter. Uh, huge congratulations to the Food Fighters who will be receiving the very first 
Global Vanguard Award for the MTV Video Music Awards. For what? They're not even that Be good. Becoming National Treasures. Are they, are they officially National Treasures? You, you know what? After yes. the past, I guess, after the past like year and a half, two years, yeah, because of Dave Grohl. One, because of how um, no, welcoming he is to bring fans up on stage to play the instruments for an entire set. Yeah. And two, for him breaking both arms and still going on tour. Foot. And performing. Wait, bro, feet, right? Feet or arms? Feet. He can't play guitar feet. without arms. Well, he, I don't, did he? Either yeah. way. Yes, he was sitting on the throne the whole time playing guitar. Yeah. Singing. Yes, yes. He, and, and he still rocked. The In fact, out. he finished that show. Mm -hmm. He came back after getting it wrapped and went, I got to finish. Yeah. Um, my favorite moment of Dave Grohl in the last 10 years was him uh, with the band on flatbed trucks trolling the Westboro Baptist Church. Oh, my God. Yes. God, so they're yes. Out, they're out there with their God's hate, you know, their homophobia signs. Mm -hmm. And they're just straight up playing in front of them. They're playing. You should be dancing. They're covering the Bee Gees. They should be dancing. Talk about you should love. You got to just love everybody. Wow. Well, this hate. You, you got to love everybody. And then he starts. Come on, dance. Uh, uh, I saw you dancing. <laughs> yep. Also, because Courtney Love hates him. I mean, uh, when Foo Fighters like first came to be i honestly didn't think they would last beyond an album to be perfectly honest with you i didn't and to see where they are now is amazing so uh thank you kirk cobain yeah i guess Th i mean if fighters wouldn't exist without the tragedy of what happened with Kurt Cobain, so uh, that this was a slippery slope here. But again, I didn't see them going past the post grunge era because a lot of bands did not survive that era, and they've gone well beyond. And again, Dave Grohl at this point has become a national treasure because of his passion for music and who his passion knew there was somebody that prolific in that band other than Dave. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, Kurt. Because that first album is all him. Yeah. All the instruments, everything, production, that's all Dave. And then he mm -hmm. put a hell of a band together. Mm -hmm. And you might not like all of it, but they find a way to go, you, you know, like, oh, hey, 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 oh, and then right now they're like, hey. Mm -hmm. No, you're absolutely right. Um, if Kurt you know, it goes back to what we were talking about last week with Daphne, man. The dude was suffering. You ever mm -hmm. read his diaries? No, I've read okay. a unorth unauthorized biography, so. Uh, well, that paints <laughs> enough picture for you. Trust me. The man mm -hmm. was dealing with demons. Some people just don't understand. Absolutely. I unfortunately think it would have been not a not a if it went. I agree. It's just too much there. 
and and mm-hmm. I don't mean that derogatory in a derogatory no. manner, of course. If that band stays together, I don't know the Foo Fighters happen. I also don't know what Nirvana sounds like if they're together longer, because eventually Dave's would be like, "I got stuff." <laughs> would you like? Uh, to, you know? I don't think Nirvana would have made it past the grunge. Um, no, no. I don't. I honestly don't even think they would have made it past the last album that they had before Cobain passed, because at that point he said what he wanted to say. He got out what he wanted to get out. You know? Um, yeah. And to, to anybody else, too, that just wants, like, a whole, like, history of grunge, I highly recommend a book called This Is Our Town, which is a oral history of the start and the rise and fall of the Seattle grunge era by uh, several people in bands at that Trust time. Trust me, it's all happiness and rainbows. You know, from Mud Honey down to, you know, Alice in Chains uh, to Bikini Kill and L7. Like, they're all in there. Some Courtney Love parts as well, because, again, it's oral history. But, again, it really tells a tale of the rise and fall of grunge. But not only that, but how, like, deeply entwined all these bands were and how you could tell they wouldn't have gone past a certain level anyway, just because they only wanted to put out their own stories with these albums. And there was going to be an end of them just going, okay, we're done. So there we go. With that being said, thank you for checking out this episode of Manic Mixtape. We hope you enjoyed this manic rabbit hole we always end up going down. Henceforth, the name. If you like what you hear, definitely we encourage you to listen to previous episodes of Manic Mixtape where we talk about cover songs, we feature spotlights on certain artists such as David Bowie, Ozzy Osbourne, underrated albums, soundtracks, and so, so much more. Along with compilation playlists of all the bands slash songs we have mentioned on Spotify. That is that. If you want to hear the, anything else we have to say or do, or even intrigued you enough to go, let me check out what their profile is like and maybe potentially follow us, you can find me at Viva Foxy Foxy. That is V-I-V-A-F-O-X-Y-F-O-X-X-Y on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, which I never really use, TikTok, which I still haven't done anything with, and YouTube, which has stuff on there. It's old, but hey. It, it might be new to you. Yeah. Um, all social media platforms for me, DanLaw83. Uh, for the live stream, go to DanLaw.tv. Yes, I love it. I love that. Um, and for all the highlights, go to YouTube.com slash DanLaw83. Simple as that. Like, share, subscribe, follow. Do all that stuff. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell your loved ones. Tell the pe- person you're sleeping with behind your wife's back. Follow. Side chick. Oh. They're called side chicks. Side chick. Is that it? How do you know it's a chick? Side, chick. side piece. I mean, side piece. There you go. Side piece. Follow Dan Law 83. Good night, everybody. Good night. Or goodbye. Because you listen to this in the morning or whatever. I don't know. Good night. Goodbye. Good morning.